Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. This morning, did Christ change the Sabbath? Let's ask him to help us study. Dear Jesus, we pray your guidance through this study this morning. Please help the things that each one of us needs to learn to be presented to our hearts by thy spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill or obey. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, one dot of the I or one cross of the T, shall in no wise pass from the law till all is obeyed or fulfilled. Wicked persons in the time of Christ, they were tempted to accuse him of changing the law of God. He read their thoughts and he rebuked them for it before their words were even spoken. I'm going to read the book, Prophets and Kings, page 183. Christ, during his earthly ministry, emphasized the binding claims of the Sabbath. In all his teaching, he showed reverence for the institution he himself had given. In his days, the Sabbath had become so perverted that its observance reflected the character of selfish and arbitrary men rather than the character of God. Christ set aside the false teaching by which those who claimed to know God had misrepresented him. Although followed with merciless hostility by the rabbis, <coughs> excuse me, he did not even appear to conform to their requirements. He didn't even bother trying to look like he was conforming to their, their requirements. He went straight forward, keeping the Sabbath according to the law of God, not according to all of their little um, rules. In unmistakable language, he testified to his regard for the law of Jehovah. Think not, in other words, don't think that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, he said. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, and that's never going to happen, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And what's the least number? Zero. They're not going to be in heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. During the Christian dispensation, the great enemy of man's happiness, which would be Satan, has made the Sabbath of the fourth commandment an object of special attack. And we look around and we see that this is true. I would say the majority of people, even though there are different churches, groups of people who openly worship on the Sabbath, Seventh-day Baptists, Seventh-day Adventists, um, Jewish people, and many others. There, um, the majority of people on the planet ridicule the Sabbath and put it down. It's an object of special attack. Maybe because they don't have a leg to stand on. And that makes us particularly defensive when we're in that position. Satan says, I will work at cross purposes with God. I will empower my followers to set aside God's memorial, the seventh day Sabbath. Thus, I will show the world that the day sanctified and blessed by God 
has been changed. That day shall not live in the minds of the people. I will obliterate the memory of it. I will place in its stead a day that does not bear the credentials of God, a day that cannot be assigned between God and his people. I will leave those who accept this day to place upon it the sanctity that God placed upon the seventh day. And through, he's saying, through my vicegerent, I will exalt myself. These words that Ellen White is writing down are words that she was shown in vision that Satan was saying to his angels. So, um, let me finish this paragraph. Through my vicegerent, I will exalt myself. The first day will be extolled, and the Protestant world will receive this spurious Sabbath as genuine. Through the non-observance of the Sabbath that God instituted, I will bring his law into contempt. The words assigned between me and you throughout your generations, I will make to serve on the side of my Sabbath. Um, isn't that just the truth? Um, God's law has been brought in contempt. There are many, many, many people who claim to be Christians who think the law of God has been done away with. They've put it in contempt. Then Satan continues, Thus the world will become mine. I will be the ruler of the earth, the prince of the world. I will so control the minds under my power that God's Sabbath shall be a special object of contempt. A sign, I will make the observance of the Sabbath day a sign of disloyalty to the authorities of earth. So if we keep the Sabbath, it'll make it look like we're being disloyal to the people of earth, the, or the rulers. Human laws will be made so stringent that men and women will not dare to observe the seventh-day Sabbath for fear of wanting food and clothing. They will join with the world in transgressing God's law. The earth will be holy under my dominion. <laughs> so, through the setting up of a false Sabbath, the enemy thought to change times and laws. But has he really succeeded in changing God's law? No, he hasn't. So I'm going to stop reading or I'm going to find myself reading that whole chapter. I'll put it down here real quick. Um, that was Prophets and Kings, page 183, if you want to go read the whole chapter. John 5, 10 through 19. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. See, they made a little rule, you can't carry your bed on Sabbath. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is it that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed was not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. See, God's law is a hedge of protection around us, isn't it? As long as we're obeying it, bad things usually don't happen to us, but nothing that happens to us is without God's knowledge and permission if we need some kind of correction. The Jews sought to kill Jesus because he healed the sick upon the Sabbath day. Desire of Ages, page 204 and 211. The Jews had so perverted the law that they made it a yoke of bondage. Their meaningless requirements had become a byword among other nations. Especially was the Sabbath hedged in by all manner of senseless restrictions. Now they had a Sabbath day walk. You couldn't walk any further than that because there were many things. You couldn't carry your handkerchief. You had to pin it to your clothing. 
It was not to them a delight, the holy of the Lord, and honorable. The scribes and Pharisees had made its observance an intolerable burden. A Jew was not allowed to kindle a fire or even to light a candle on the Sabbath. As a consequence, the people were dependent upon the Gentiles for many services, which their ruler forbade them to do for themselves. They did not reflect that if these acts were sinful, those who employed others to perform them were as guilty as if they had done the work themselves. They thought that salvation was restricted to the Jews and that the condition of all others being already hopeless could be made no worse. God has given no commandments which cannot be obeyed by all. His laws sanction no unreasonable or selfish restriction. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see, page 211. The time, the place, the occasion, the intensity of feeling that pervaded the assembly all combined to make the words of Jesus before the Sanhedrin the more impressive. The highest religious authorities of the nation were seeking the life of him who declared himself the restorer of Israel, the Lord of the Sabbath. He was arraigned before an earthly tribunal to answer the charge of breaking the Sabbath law. When he so fearlessly declared his mission, his judges looked upon him with astonishment and rage, but his words were unanswerable. They could not condemn him. He denied the right of the priests and rabbis to question him or to interfere with his work. They were invested with no such authority. Their claims were based upon their own pride and arrogance. He refused to plead guilty of their charges or to be catechized by them. Instead of apologizing for the act of which they complained or explaining his purpose in doing it, Jesus turned upon the rulers and the accuser became the accused. He rebuked them for the hardness of their hearts and their ignorance of the scriptures. He declared that that whom that they had rejected the word of God inasmuch as they rejected him whom God had sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and these are they which bear witness of me, as John five thirty nine. John chapter 9, verses 14 to 16. Okay. Um, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. <laughs> Boy, they are relentless, aren't they? How did you receive your sight? Oh my goodness. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and I do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keeps not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such a miracle? And there was a division among them. They thought he was not of God, because he healed on the Sabbath day. Desire of Ages, pages 471 and 472. It was generally believed by the Jews that sin is punished in this life. Every affliction was regarded as the penalty of some wrongdoing, either of the sufferer himself or of his parents. It's true that all suffering results from the transgression of God's law, but this truth had become perverted. 
Satan, the author of sin and all its results, had led men to look upon disease and death as proceeding from God, as punishment arbitrarily inflicted on account of sin. Hence, one upon whom some great affliction or calamity had fallen had the additional burden of being regarded as a great sinner. Thus the way was prepared for the Jews to reject Jesus. He who hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows was looked upon by the Jews as stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, and they hid their faces from him. That can be found in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 3. God had given a lesson designed to prevent this. The history of Job had shown that suffering is inflicted by Satan and is overruled by God for purposes of mercy. But Israel did not understand the lesson. The same error for which God had reproved the friends of Job was repeated by the Jews in their rejection of Christ. Uh, I'm just going to clarify that because uh, it's a point they're making here. Remember Job's friends. They showed up and they were telling him that that, that wouldn't have happened to him if, if he had not have sinned. And they kept going over all the things they thought he must have done, and that if he would make things right, God would heal him. And that was happening in, the, in Jesus' day when he was there with them as well on earth. They were believing that when Jesus healed people, and on the Sabbath especially, but any time, that they had gotten what was their just desserts, that God had been punishing them, and that, um, that, it, that so they had the wrong belief. They, the belief of the Jews in regard to the relation of sin and suffering, it was held by Christ's disciples as well. While Jesus corrected their error, he did not explain the cause of man's affliction. He told them what would be the result. Because of it, the works of God would be made manifest. So because of the suffering of somebody, God's um, works can be made manifest in the healing of someone, whether you use the natural means which God has provided or, any, or a miracle. As long as I am in the world, he said, I am the light of the world. Then having anointed the eyes of the blind man, he sent him to wash in the pool of Siloam, and the man's sight was restored. Then Jesus answered the question of the disciples in a practical way. As he usually answered questions put to him from curiosity, the disciples were not called upon to discuss the question as to who had sinned or had not sinned, but to understand the power and mercy of God in giving sight to the blind. It was evident there was no healing virtue in that day or in the pool, in the clay or in the pool wherein the blind man was sent to wash, but the virtue was in Christ. The Pharisees could not but be astonished at the cure, yet they were more than ever filled with hatred, for the miracle had been performed on the Sabbath day. The neighbors of the young man, who knew him before in his blindness, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? They looked upon him with doubt, for when his eyes were opened, his countenance was changed and brightened, and he appeared like another man. From one to another the question passed. Some said, This is he, others, he is like him. But he who had received the great blessing settled the question by saying, I am he. He then told him of Jesus and by what means he had been healed. And they inquired, Where is he? He said, I know not. Then they brought him before a council of the Pharisees. Again, the man was asked how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes. I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not his Sabbath day. The Pharisees hoped to make Jesus out to be a sinner and therefore not the Messiah. They knew not that it was he who had made the Sabbath. He knew its obligations, who had healed the blind man, 
They appeared wonderfully zealous for the observance of the Sabbath, yet they were planning murder on that very day. But many were greatly moved at hearing this miracle. and They were convicted that he who had opened the eyes of the blind was more than a common man. In answer to the charge that Jesus was a sinner because he kept not the Sabbath day, they said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? Okay. Matthew twelve ten through 12. And behold, there was a man which his hand withered, which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, and this is Jesus speaking. What man shall there be among you that shall not have that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. That's what Jesus said. And that's the principle in the Bible. It is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. The Savior referred them to the scriptures, stating that it was lawful to do acts of mercy on the Sabbath day. Thus, recognizing the Sabbath law, Desire of Ages, page 285. The Jewish teachers prided themselves on their knowledge of scriptures, and in the Savior's answer, there was an implied rebuke for their ignorance of the sacred writings. Have you not read so much as this? He said that what David did when he himself was hungry, and they which were with him, how he went to the house of God, and did take and eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, and yet they are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. The Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. If it was right for David to satisfy his hunger by eating the bread that had been set apart to a holy use, then it was right for the disciples to supply their need by plucking the grain upon the sacred hours of the Sabbath. Again, the priests in the temple performed greater labor on the Sabbath than upon other days. The same labor in secular business would be sinful, but the work of the priests was in the service of God. They were performing those rites that pointed to the redeeming power of Christ and their labor was in harmony with the object of the Sabbath. But now Christ himself had come. The disciples, in doing the work of Christ, were engaged in God's service, and that which was necessary for the accomplishment of this work, it was right to do on the Sabbath day. Christ would teach his disciples and his enemies that the service of God is first of all. The object of God's work in this world is the redemption of man. Therefore, that which is necessary to be done on the Sabbath in the accomplishment of the redemption of man is in accord with the Sabbath law. Jesus then crowned his argument by declaring himself the Lord of the Sabbath. One above all question and above all law, this infinite judge acquits the disciples of blame, appealing to the very statutes that they are accused of violating. John 15, verse 10.
If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus repudiated every charge of breaking the Sabbath by declaring that he kept his Father's commandments. Mark 7, 6 through 12. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied, prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside, I just want to point out here that there are many people today doing the same thing. They, um, it says here, Honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him because they keep the commandments of men, commandments that are not in the Bible. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. Okay. And he said unto them, Full will you reject the commandments of God that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. So if uh, their parents needed support, for instance, and they had some money, they could just say, Oh, it's dedicated to the temple. Then they could be free from supporting their parents. And uh, and you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered in many such things like you do. So, wow. Um, he refused to honor traditions of men that were substitutes for God's law. Isaiah 42, 21. Isaiah 42:21 The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake he will magnify the law and make it honorable The prophet Isaiah looking down through the ages to the time of Christ said that he would magnify the law and make it honorable So in that chapter Isaiah 42, Isaiah is prophesying of the Messiah. You can read the whole chapter if you like. But he said that he would magnify the law of God and make it honorable. So he obeyed it. Luke 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Jesus kept a Sabbath. Matthew twenty four twenty. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. He taught his disciples to honor it. 
because he was prophesying of what would happen uh, when the Romans came and attacked Jerusalem, and that was long after his death. But he told them to pray that their flight would not be on the Sabbath, so it was to still be honored. Luke 23, 54-56. I believe I have a little note in my Bible about that. 23, and I think I've read that to you before. I don't want to be tedious, but I think it's a good reading. I'm mulling over whether I should try to read. I think I will. Bear with me a second. Get my magnifying glass. The print was very tiny. So when Jesus was telling his disciples that, 24 verse 20, um, pray that their flight be not in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. That was AD 66, the Roman general Cestius. He surrounded Jerusalem with his army. Evidently, he was intending to take the city. For an unknown reason, he withdrew his army and he left. And the Jews left the city. They overtook him and almost destroyed his army. The Christians in the city remembered the words of Jesus when they saw the city surrounded with armies that they were to leave. They obeyed and went to Pella. When the city was destroyed 44 years later, not one Christian was found there. They went from Pella to Antioch, the center of Christian faith, for many years. Jesus told them to pray that it would not happen in the winter, as that would be a hardship on the mother and children, also on the Sabbath day, because the gates of the city were closed on the Sabbath. <clears throat> it was 35 years before it happened, yet they were to pray all that time that they were not to break one Sabbath, and they uh, practiced as okay their prayers were answered excuse me where it happened on a weekday in the fall so that was Jesus telling them to continue to, to uh, keep the Sabbath after he was gone Luke 23 54 to 56 And that day was the preparation day, and the Sabbath drew on. It was Friday. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. His followers kept the Sabbath, and Jesus never changed the Sabbath. So now let me just summarize all the things that we have read. All right. Did Christ change the Sabbath? There are wicked persons in the time of Christ who were tempted to accuse him of changing the law of God, but he read their thoughts and rebuked them. He said he was not going to change one jot or one tittle. It would all be obeyed. The Jews sought to kill him because he healed the sick on the Sabbath day. They thought he was not of God because he healed on the Sabbath. The Savior referred them to the scriptures, stating it was lawful to do acts of mercy on Sabbath, thus recognizing the Sabbath law. Jesus repudiated every charge of breaking the Sabbath by declaring that he kept his Father's commandments. He refused to honor tradition of men, substituted for God's law. The prophet Isaiah, looking down through the ages to the time of Christ, said he would magnify the law and make it honorable. Jesus kept the Sabbath. He taught his disciples to honor it. His followers kept it. And Jesus never changed the Sabbath in his lifetime. And I would like to add, well, I probably shouldn't, Take the time, but um, I will right here. That um, Paul explains how I think it's in Hebrews and then 
maybe Colossians, that changes cannot be made to a will after a testator dies. And we know that today. We know that they would have to petition the court if you want to make a change to a will. It's not an easy thing to do. A will is to be accepted as it is written. And Jesus is a testator, and after he died, changes like that couldn't be made to where you could change Sabbath to Sunday. They, uh, the only thing that Jesus changed before he died was to add communion, and he did that at the Last Supper so that that would be a part of, of our practice today. And that's the only thing he changed. He could have changed uh, the day of worship, but he didn't. I mean, we already have something to commemorate his resurrection. It's baptism. We are buried with him, and we are risen with him in baptism. We don't need um, to honor the day of the sun, the pagan worship day. Let's close with prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray that people will realize the importance of understanding the truth in this matter because it's a matter of honoring you or dishonoring you, and that that is part of the first table of the law and honoring and loving you more than anything or than our own life. And I pray that we would understand and receive this knowledge and even be willing to research it further if need be. Please be with those who are, who are with me this morning. Bless them in their study. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, tomorrow morning is the title of our study is Did the Disciples Change the Sabbath? So I look forward to going over that with you. Have a wonderful day.